Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 125. Welcome back, Adam Antimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today. As I'm recording this, it is a hot and sticky day here in Toronto, but I'm not going to complain because we've had kind of a weird, wet summer, and I will take the heat whenever I can get it. I hope everyone is enjoying their summers. It's really nice to see events starting to take place again. Everything's kind of reopened, uh, and we're figuring out what the back-to-school, back-to-work situation looks like next month. But man, is it ever nice to just be able to go out to eat and have some live music again. So I hope everyone's enjoying life right now because it's uh, it's been a long haul and uh, we deserve a break. So this is birthday week podcast for me. Thursday, August 12th, will be uh, I'll be turning 25 for the ninth time. And I'm excited that on my birthday week, I get to share a really cool episode with you guys. It's a really cool podcast, one that I was really looking forward to. But before we get into today's episode, I want to do a quick shout out to the Canadian Olympic athletes, because man, did they kill it in the Tokyo Olympics. You know, Canada's not really known for doing spectacular at the Summer Olympics. We're we're always a a Winter Olympics country, but we had some unbelievable accomplishments in, uh, in these Summer Olympics. First of all, if you know me, you know I'm a big soccer fan. I've been playing soccer all my life. So I want to give a big shout out to the women's Canadian soccer team who beat the U.S. in the semifinals and they beat Sweden in penalty shots in the finals. And a very special shout out to, oh, captain, my captain, Christine St. Clair. I'm so happy for her to be ending her career uh, on such a high with an Olympic gold medal. She deserves everything. Such an amazing athlete and such a nice person. I actually got the opportunity to work with Christine Sinclair once when I was working in advertising. Uh, We were working on a campaign for Coca-Cola for the 2012 Olympics. And Christine was such a gem, so so happy for her. I also want to mention Olympic swimmer Penny Alexiak, who is now Canada's most decorated Olympian and took home a silver and a bronze in this Olympics. I got to mention local boy Andre DeGrasse from Markham, Ontario, who took home a gold in the 200-meter sprint, as well as a bronze in the 100-meter and in the 400-meter relay. That 200-meter race was so fire. And lastly, I got to mention Canada's flag bearer, and that's Damian Warner, who took home a gold medal in the decathlon. He is now being dubbed the world's greatest athlete. He was like miles ahead of everybody. And there's this amazing photo uh, where at the end of the decathlon where all the other athletes were like dead on the floor and he's just standing like freaking Superman, like unfazed. So super proud of our Canadian athletes. Great job in Tokyo. And hopefully this just continues to be a sign for uh, great Canadian athletes in the future. So moving it on back to today's interview, like I said, I was really excited for this podcast episode because today we've got Vance Joy on the Adamantium podcast, creator of the song Riptide, which absolutely smashed Australian music records and was like multi-time platinum song all across the world. And I was super excited to have Vance Joy on the podcast at this time because he just put out what is maybe my favorite song of the summer uh, and one of my favorite songs of 2021. It's called Missing Peace, and it's such a beautiful, sweet song, and it's so wholesome, and I sing it to my girlfriend all the time, and she's probably sick of it by now. But I was super excited to pick Vance Joy's brain about that song and his career, and the guy's just so nice, uh, so down-to-earth, and really, really easy to talk to. I hope we get the chance to do this again. I believe there is a plan for a new Vance Joy album in 2022, along with a tour to go along with it. 
But for now, we did this interview online via Zoom as we still transition back to our ordinary podcast proceedings. And of course, I'm in Toronto and Vance Joy is currently in Barcelona. So before we get into today's episode, let's quickly do the Adamantium Recommend segment, which is five songs by Vance Joy that I recommend to my listeners. The first song being that brand new single, Missing Peace. Like I said, possibly the song of the summer. Then going back to his 2018 album, Nation of Two, I'm going to recommend the song Lay It On Me, as well as the song Saturday Sun. And then going back to his 2014 debut album, Dream Your Life Away, I recommend the song Mess Is Mine, and of course the song Riptide. If you are a Vance Joy fan, I'm sure you're well aware of all those songs. First of all, thank you for tuning in today. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, thank you for joining us. We hope you'll have you back sometime. Please do all that lovely podcast stuff. Subscribe, rate, and review. You can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We are on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. But you can also find us just by searching the Adamantium podcast. All right, and that's enough from me. Let's hear from Vance Joy right here on episode number 125 of the Adamantium podcast. Wherever you are in the world, take a moment to cherish life and be thankful for the things that you have. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you again for listening, and you'll hear from us again very soon. Very well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. We're finally getting some uh, some nice weather over here in Toronto. Where uh, oh, where are you Where are you located? I'm I'm in Barcelona, and you're yeah. in Barcelona. Oh well, it's beautiful there all the time. Yes, it's very nice. It's it's very hot. I wish they would. I reckon they should turn the dial down just a couple of degrees. <laughs> but yeah, well, it can't you... be too picky. Can't be too yeah. picky. I was gonna say where you're from, though. You should be used to that, no? I should be. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I'm. For some yeah. reason, I'm still a temperamental little bitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> well, aren't we? Aren't we all in our own way, though? Yes, aren't we all? I think so. Probably. What do you? Um, uh, Barcelona is such a beautiful city, don't you think? Yes, it is beautiful. It's um, it's funny to to be living here for. I've been here for a few months now, and and I've spent a bunch of time here in the last over the last two years, and just to, um, yeah, to be walking around, and then you're like. You know, every now and then you just stop and kind of reevaluate the scene in front of you, and you're like, mm. "I know you, you know, you might walk there every day to get your coffee or something, right?" But then you're like, "Oh, this is actually a very beautiful place." You're like, "This street is gorgeous. These tree-lined streets and these old cathedrals and beautiful old buildings and uh, and cobblestone streets, whatever it is. It's just, mm-hmm. it is, it is cool." And every now and then it kind of hits you, and then you forget about it for a bit. But I'm I'm, I'm excited to show friends and family this place when they come and visit me or, you know, when we can all be together here and say a year or whenever the world opens up a bit more, because I think I'll know the place to the point where I can take them on a perfect day or, and that, that'll be really nice. What do you think would, what's a perfect Barcelona day to you? Ah, as if, I guess, I guess I'll have to think about it. It would be, um, I guess we'd wake up and we, we could get breakfast at home or maybe we go out to an, a nice breakfast spot or at least get a good coffee somewhere. Um, there's a few good cafes. And then I think it'd be nice to go to the beach. There's a, there's a place called, I mean, there's Barcelona beach is nice and it's very packed, Yeah. but on a summer's day, if you go maybe a bit further down, slightly less uh, busy and slightly less sketchy. So you, you wouldn't hopefully get any of your stuff stolen by any of the <laughs> local thieves, but 
hanging out at the beach. And then there's this really cool, they call it like a Shiningito, which is like a little bar restaurant on the beach. And there's this place, uh, it's actually called Camping. Okay. And it's like, it's like set, it's a bit off the beach, but there's like a skate park near it. There's like a nice grass area, trees. And people just sit down there and, um, you know, you order your beers, your, your drinks, your vermouths, whatever it is, your wine, champagne, and you just sit on the grass, totally free, just shoot, choose a spot. And then um, there's, they've also, do, they do little um, kind of like pop-up shops uh, with um, different kind of restaurants around the area. So they, so one day it might be fish and chips, the other day a hamburgers, whatever. So you go there and you, you get your food and your drinks and um, I think that's a pretty good day. Sounds like a good day to me. Yeah. Yeah. A good day. Like you see a bit of the beach. Um, I think I know the street because I've, I've, I've been to Barcelona once. Uh, it was 2017. I went. Yeah. I know that at the end of the beach, there's that big kind of street where it's all the vendors are all on the street. Um, yes, but, it is yes. packed, but it's beautiful. And it's got all the trees overhanging the street. Is that the street you're talking about? Yeah, well, I think we'd go down. There's a couple of ones that makes me think of. I know that there's okay. like the, um, the big, like the Rumbler, which has like the big trees and the mm-hmm. beautiful, like thoroughfare. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's also a couple of beautiful, like kind of squares. Like there's one, there's one called, um, what's it called? There's one with a little, a little fountain in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, Nehru. It's called like Philip Nehru or something. Okay. And it's like super, super quiet. And at night, there's this guy, it's like this kind of, Spanish guitar playing dude. Okay. And he sits down in the in the square when it's quiet and it's like he just sits and he kind of has this really cool style of like playing where it's kind of like kind of improvised but like kind of like he's basically supplying the perfect background music. Anyway, so that's a beautiful square as well, so amazing. I think it's just a couple of tucked away little spots and um and then you I guess you got to do the tourist stuff as well. You got to see Park Well. Yes. But, um uh, in the cathedral. Yeah, and you can't miss yeah, the cathedral. Uh, I one one thing I completely forgot before I went there was that the the beach itself uh, was completely man made for the Olympics. Yeah, I know. I Isn't know. that it blows blows because it's a huge beach, beautiful beach, looks natural. But uh, I completely forgot that before I went, and then someone had reminded me while I was there, and I was like, "Wow, actually being here now kind of blows your mind that they built I that." I know. Building. I know. And the fact that the city yeah wasn't always this kind of like beach destination. It was no, like exactly. Yeah, industrial and not nothing like what what it is now. But um, yeah, one of my favorite, and also the grid system. Like if you look at Barcelona from overhead, is one of the most fascinating things I find as well. But yeah, it's, anyways, it's easy yeah. to navigate. It is. It is uh, one of my. It was one of my. It's been one of my favorite stops in 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 Europe. Um, but as a, I'll do a transition here because I believe Barcelona is where your your special lady lives, um, which is the inspiration behind your latest single um, yeah. piece, which uh, which came out in May, and uh, I, I think it's it's one of the most beautiful songs I've heard this year. Um, oh, thank you. One, and one of the reasons being, it's such a it's such a song that that most people can probably relate to. Um, I know before, before you tell me a little bit about it, I sing it to my girlfriend all the time and oh, she's probably sick of it by now, actually sick of my version anyways, <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't even live that far away. But I think, you know, in the last, you know, in the last year, we're so starved for human connection that even any time apart from, from your loved ones feels like a long time. Um, was this, was that kind of feeling of everyone, uh, being able to kind of relate to this song or having a relatability of the song? Was that in your mind when you were putting it together? Yeah, I think so. Like, 
That's nice. I like that idea of like, <clears throat> I think that's so true. Like that maybe, you know, this, even if the short times apart, um, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're excited for the, to see each other even after you know maybe a day apart or whatever it is mm-hmm. uh, that makes sense to me for sure i i i think um when we were writing this song i was writing it with this this you know great songwriter producer uh joel little who lives in new zealand and we did it over a zoom call and um he he had like the first line he suggested was um i've been waiting for the tides to change and i think that just set us off on this path of like i guess being a little bit um you know just like writing a little bit inspired by what was happening at the time with lockdowns and you know the difficulty of traveling to see your loved ones and whatever it was and just the the isolation and so you know for me i I had some um you know had had my own experience with that especially doing long distance you know with um kind of having also nice memories to draw on of our times together but also um you know just this obstacle of like not being able to see each other and i think you know a lot of people were going through that at the time so i think we were kind of aware that it, it was something that you know, if it if it worked, it would resonate with people. Um, so I think it was a bit of that, and then it just it really was a natural. It just flowed very very easily that day. Like we, he started started me off on that on that tangent, and we just kept going with it. Um, and then for, you know, for whatever reason, when we got to the chorus, um, Joel said, "You know, what we what would you do now? You know, if you had to, you know, um, what would you sing?" And I was like, "Okay, well, on the spot, I started singing a melody. It was." It's always exciting to be put on the spot, but I honestly had no idea what would come out. And then I started kind of mumbling a melody. He was like, that's kind of cool. And then I looked into my phone and I had a line, which was when I'm in a room with you. Mm-hmm. And then that, and he was like, that should be the start of the chorus. And so it's funny how like, even, even though we were tending in that direction, uh, it was cool that there was a line in my phone, you know, maybe I'd written it like six months before that or whatever, but I- it was just there to connect and it kind of, you know, made sense to connect and kind of also just brought it all together as an idea. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's funny how that happens. I feel like sometimes, yeah, it's a bit of a mystery why it all worked, but um, I guess we had all the ingredients ready. We just had to kind of put them in, put them together in the right sequence for it to work. Mm-hmm. And have you gotten, have you gotten lots of messages or stories from fans kind of giving their, their version of, of missing piece? I have, yeah, and that's actually that was. I feel like that was for me like the the strongest. Uh, I guess that's the best feedback you can get. Is like, yes, yeah, it's just even just from friends and family. Like, you know, when your friends, you know, like a friend that you might talk to every couple of months or mm-hmm. even less, and when that friend hits you up and, and says something like, "Oh, I love this song," you know, and like, and then I I saw in my in my Instagram like you know messages there was messages from people saying, "Hey, I, this." really encapsulates my experience with my partner or it's our new song or whatever it is. And I got a few of those and I was like, yeah, that's, that's the best. Cause I feel like it, if it's doing that and people really taking their time to write that, it's kind of like, it must've, um, it resonates emotionally in it as, um, yeah, done what you, what you basically dream for it to do. So, so mm-hmm. for sure. It does. I'm, I'm telling you from firsthand experience, the first time I heard it, I, it resonated with me and, and, the great thing about the song doesn't have to be the exact same situation, but you can apply it to your own life. I mean, for me in particular, I, I met my special lady during the pandemic. And wow. so to me, that was kind of like the, the missing piece. And um, so it was, it was, it was beautiful. I thought it was beautiful since the first time. And like I said, now she's probably sick of me singing it to her all the time, but 
Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, we were so stuck in a car for an hour and a half yesterday. So, <laughs> so I feel like, yeah, it's like it was a whole new thing. I think even just imagining like people going on dates and meeting people during the pandemic, I was like, mm. oh, that's that's a whole different vibe, you know. But mm-hmm. also maybe maybe in the pandemic, it no, it's continuing a bit, but it's like things were kind of reduced uh, in a way where I feel like you spend time with your your key friends and your family and. It's like maybe the the sphere of people you can see is kind of smaller, but I feel in my experience, at least I, I some of the friendships got deeper and I felt maybe mm-hmm. more settled in Melbourne when I was stuck there for a long time. So it, the important relationships, that they became very clear to me, I guess, uh, during yeah. that time. Yeah, I would agree. And I mean, on that note too, one thing that I found as a, as a big mama's boy myself I found it really interesting to read that uh, you always involve your parents on your demoing process. Um, so tell me, tell me about their influence on your music and on Missing Peace in particular. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, okay, I can relate. Uh, I definitely, I owe a lot to my mum in general because just when it comes to songwriting and, and just like enjoying like putting words to music, I think I enjoyed English at school. My mum's an English teacher, so she, she she kind of you know definitely fostered this appreciation for books and writing essays and um she's just beautiful uh, she's got she's really good at like distilling like a great idea and like kind of telling you it and i remember she would she would tell me like i'll be writing an essay about you know what's eating gilbert grape for like mm. year 10 and i was like 15 years old and she would be like i'd be like mom i need some help with my conclusion to the essay and then she would just reel off like this beautiful like conclusion and it would just <clears throat> i remember being like i mean i liked the movie and stuff and i was like this is a good movie but after she would reel off the conclusion i was like this is the best movie in the world i was like you know it was like <laughs> totally it totally uh just made me see it in such a yeah you know you know just t- showed me the power of the of the of the text or whatever so yeah when i'm when i come to writing songs i feel like i trust her opinion a lot and you know here and there she's just Again, she did that same thing when she she reeled off a couple of lyrics to me um, as I was writing songs. You know, I and so I'd always use my mum as a soundboard as a, and as a co-writer. Like I, for the song, um, which is on my first album called "Mess Is Mine," she reeled off like the like kind of like tying it together line in that song, mm-hmm. which was "You still make sense to me. Your mess is mine." Mm-hmm. It's like the title of the song. That's kind of like the whole heart of the song. Is I can I have to give my mum credit for. So it's wow. um yeah. So I guess. Even though now I guess it's a bit harder because I'm not you have to home, start not a royalty. <laughs> she she deserves a royalty for sure. I know. I'm kind of making I'm you know at least I'm attempting to make up for that on the back end. But because I've always said, do you want me to put you on on the official books? Maybe I will do it at some point. But mm. um, but uh, yeah, my mom my mom definitely is uh, a, you know such a key part of some songs. If, if you a handful of like some of my best songs, I would say she's either helped guide me and or guided me or is given like great lines too so um yeah so did she have a, did she have a influence on missing peace at all no not on this song but okay. um i mean in in terms of like i played it to her and dad and they were like this is cool and so even just them liking it right like, and their mom saying like that's a good line or whatever mm-hmm. was very encouraging and um you know was mo- motivating for me to like she and she said you know release a song you know it's about time especially around Christmas time last year, she said, it's, you know, it's been a while since you released a song and I think it's, it's relevant now. You know, Christmas time people are 
they're missing their families and it's it's you know well it's it's powerful to um to you know talk about this now and um mm. we didn't release it at christmas time we couldn't kind of get it together in that time basically that was when she said that i was like okay let's finish this song took a few more months but mm-hmm. so in that way she was involved for sure gotcha gotcha um uh, speaking of, of, of the lyric we I don't know if you get this, but I often get this where a, a certain line of a song just sticks out or sticks in your head a bit more than others are, or it's always there. It's or it's catchy. And, um, you know, when, uh, I mean, even still it is, but when Riptide was on the radio all the time, yeah, I used to work at this office and me and this lady, we had the same line that was always stuck in our head. And it's the, the line that closest thing to Michelle Pfeiffer that you've ever seen yeah it would be it'd be dead silent in the office and that we'd always have the radio on and as soon as that line came on it was like it was like a a weird bond that both of us would blare it out at the same time every time it came on yeah I love that. I um, love that. yeah and that that song i mean what an incredible song as well um but i mean no artist can you couldn't there's no way you could expect a song to blow up the way that song did and no. um I mean, it, it, I think it became the longest charting song in Australian history, or something. I read somewhere, and for, yeah, I think for a period of time, it was it held that. that yeah, title. which is which is crazy, like unbelievable. Um, and uh, so, w- what I want to ask was, how did that how did that song change your life, and how were you ready for that? Had you prepared for that success, or were you ready at all for that success? Wow, yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I love that image of you guys in the office. Um, it's funny because when I wrote that song, I was working in an office at a at a call center, like selling university degrees. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, yeah, and I remember playing. I played it to my to my workmates, and um, they were one of my first kind of audiences. Um, yeah, I had no I had no preparation for what that song would do to my life. It's it's funny because um, it's funny to think of writing a song and then. It to, for so many people to know this song you've written around the world that's crazy and i i feel like i didn't even really appreciate that till like ever you know it's, it's a funny to. funny thing and um I, I especially at the start i think there was a couple of moments of it like doing way more than i expected it to mm-hmm. like it, it got like a thousand listens on soundcloud in the first two weeks when i just put it on you know my facebook page to my friends and i was like wow um excuse me and my friend my my friend sanjay was like dude that's a win that's a huge win and i was like yeah wow how are we killing it and then um you know and then it, it got you know there was other moments like it got put on um a different soundcloud page by um this is like a year later mm-hmm. it got put on this soundcloud page by the label that i'd signed to in australia and it got forty thousand listens in one day and i was like holy moly yeah but i basically i don't know it, it totally changed my life because it opened every door at the start and um i was so green that i wasn't even really had nothing to compare it to so it was just funny to have this i was just going around playing you know with my ukulele playing to radio stations playing at little gigs everywhere and um it was really just like this three-year wave where i was playing everywhere and and it was like i don't know it's just a funny kind of little whirlwind i guess to be in and I wasn't even, I was just kind of stressed out for some of it, especially at the start. And so I remember when I'd, I'd read to Milestone, whatever it was, like mm-hmm. the milestone, you know, kind of like commercial milestone, like right. your song is platinum in Australia. And I'll be like, what's the big deal? I was like, what is this? I was like, I was like, I don't, I don't know. And it's like two times platinum. I was like, oh, I guess whatever, you know, but I'm like, just like, what? You know, I just, I didn't, it wasn't like I was like, yes, give me that plaque, you know, <laughs> like, right. it was yeah, yeah. like that. So it's funny. And I guess. Yeah, 
it's a, it's just a funny thing. And I, and it is, um, you know, I look back and I can't even, it's, it's kind of amazing that I was lucky to be in the position to write this song that did this kind of miraculous thing, you know, in, in terms of my life and stuff. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, anyone, anyone I've ever spoken to had, especially their first song that just went off the charts, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of the same similar reality like you don't expect you can't prepare for it and then you kind of reflect on it later and it's like that period was such a, a whirlwind you know mm. I, I actually even put into perspective i had that conversation with the goo goo dolls over iris you know and they said the yeah. same thing like just thinking about that period such a whirlwind you know oh man um yeah it's funny it just it is kind of um you just go, okay, you jump on the rocket and just That's it. Ride go. the rocket. Yeah, that's it. How did you um how did you transition from being an Aussie football player to being a musician? Uh, I mean it was I feel like I was doing these two things concurrently. Like my foot my interest in football was always I love football and I still love it, you know, but mm. um I think I definitely got the best out of myself, or at least, you know, I don't think I was ever destined for great things in football, but I did enjoy it and I enjoyed the kind of like the discipline of training and, you know, the team, team, teammateship and all this stuff. But during this whole time, I was always playing guitar. And I, even when I was kind of like, most of my focus was not even on music. It was just like, I was playing football and at university, Mm -hmm. I still was writing, you know, the songs in the background kind of thing and had a little band with some uh, high school friends that we, we made, we formed just after high school. So I think my music was always there just simmering away and I think I guess it took me it took me um writing a couple of songs that I was really proud of like I wrote a song it's called Winds of Change and I wrote it um again with some assistance from my mum when I was about 21 or 22 and it was the first time I written a song that felt kind of strong and also just like it surprised me when I played it I get so excited like you know my I get like a tingle and I get like fully just like um almost like goosebumps or something when I played this song and it felt like other, other than me, you know, it felt like I was channeling something pretty cool. And, um, I think once I had that in my pocket and I was, you know, 22 or something, I was like, ah, this is, this is my, this is exciting. And this is kind of where all my, my energy and and purpose is kind of pointing. And, and so good. So, you know, my, uh, would be football or ambitions, whatever it was, I was just like kind of, way less into that and i think yeah. um that was reflected in the, my performances on on the ground as well i think i was i was mentally a bit elsewhere okay and so um yeah it was just like and i and i and i had a couple of songs and i just realized that you know i was finishing university and it was like i'm gonna pursue this you know maybe i'll start playing some open mic nights get my songs out there maybe i'll just save up a bit of money and and get a quality recording of one of these songs and then see what happens so it all kind of yeah it just was like it didn't feel like a big choice it just felt like a natural kind of veering off into the into the strongest lane what did uh what did the boys uh on the field think of your music uh all the boys i played you know i they were probably aware that i was into music because i i would love to play covers and i would you know every now and then if there was like an opportunity or someone asked me i would bring along a guitar and play a couple of songs if it was like you know for some kind of event or post-match thing or whatever it was and I would choose my covers like whatever it was but like songs that everyone would would like and um just like a classic cover set list um so they knew I could sing and play and stuff so I think um 
they would be, you know, I've kept in touch with a few of them and, and they would come to gigs and stuff. But I think um, it's a big difference between like playing, you know, a cover of The Killers and then being right. like a songwriter or whatever. So I think that would be a bit surprising, you know, especially because I wasn't like being like, hey, I'm a songwriter and I'm going to call myself Vance Joy. I think they probably missed that whole transition period. Right. Yeah, we, I had a, there's a Canadian artist here who used to be a hockey, professional hockey player. And those, those, that was my point was like, uh, you know, you think of hockey players are, are football players and, you know, they're, they're not usually the most in touch with their feelings, you know, so. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, that's, that's cool. What's the name of the artist? Uh, his name is Jonathan Waugh, who is actually a, he's the son of a very famous hockey goalie here in Canada. His name is Patrick wow. Waugh. He played for the Montreal wow. Canadiens and then the Colorado Avalanche. His dad had won uh, multiple Stanley Cups. Okay, wow. Yeah. And, what a cool, uh, what a cool story. Is, yeah, yeah, very cool story. And, and I, I did a podcast with him too, and very, very interesting story. And now his music, now that's what his focus is in the music, music industry as well. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I feel like some things probably translate. It's like um, maybe stubborn just going for it or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm not sure what he's found. It's the common links. but um, And like maybe it is, yeah, I, I guess depending on what kind of music it's like, um, it, it helps to be in touch with your emotions. But as well, it's like just um, I think like it's a certain thing of just being obsessed with something as well. I think mm. that, that helps. Yeah. Well, I've only got a few more minutes with you here, so I'm going to put on our last topic here, which I wanted to ask about. Your last big tour before the pandemic happened uh, was with Pink in 2019 yeah. on our beautiful trauma tour. Um, and like Pink, as I've seen Pink live before, and an incre- absolutely incredible artist. Uh, what were you able to learn from her, or, or what inspired you about working with her on that tour? Oh, man. I'm glad you brought this up, because that, that tour... Just the most fun tour I've ever been a part of. I got to, you know, tour, you know, with my band and, and a group of, of friends, you know, basically we all, we all get along really well. And it was just like being on summer camp, not that we ever did that in Australia, but yeah. what I imagine summer camp could be like where you're, <laughs> where you're kind of sleeping in a little, in a bus that's traveling around. It's like, you know, your, your familiar faces that are there for two months. Um, it was summertime. We had heaps of days off because Pink's tour is so big. Her show is so big that the, mm there'd be a day off in most cities before and after one of her shows. So her show is incredible. So we got to watch it and her, everyone associated with her, her all the dancers, the band, everyone around her is so lovely. And she's such a lovely person that I feel like it's just the, it's just great energy and good vibes all the way through. And um, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, it was just a, it was a dream. Like I can't even, I mean, one of the, one of the days she, Pink organized like a um, celebration at the end of their tour and she'd been on the road for 18 months. So, so much had happened and these people, they're such a family, you know? Mm-hmm. And so she, she hosted this beautiful dinner. They had special awards for everyone. And then they were, we were in Sweden and she like um, organized and I guess, you know, paid for the, this theme park, which is like, a, you know, basically like a carnival where there's lots of cool rides and stuff. And we had like, it closes at 10 o'clock and she booked the place for like two hours after it closes. And it was like, the, honestly, it's like the funnest night of all time. Like yeah. childhood dream to have the theme park to yourself yeah. and just running around like kids, like every ride was on, you know, it was just, it was honestly like, I think she created such a great atmosphere and, and it's like, it's like some of the best memories of people's lives for sure. So yeah. um, 
I just have such a so much respect for her and um I think you know just uh, she's a beautiful person and that shines through you know in her music and and it just is so evident when she's on stage and and being someone being able to see it behind the scenes it's just the same the same deal wow that's excellent that's great did she teach you any acrobatics at all <laughs> oh man I would have I was yeah, I was in. I was in awe. Yeah, she I was flies too. around this the stadium on like these strings, but also just she has such great athleticism when she's doing kind of like Cirque du Soleil type um, mm-hmm. work with like the those like silk ropes that she like yeah. spins around in. Um, no, she didn't teach me anything. I, think, <laughs> um, I would stay well clear. I'm not. I'm not known for my agility or my flexibility, so I don't think uh, that's ever going to be part of my show. Not part of your uh, your resume. <laughs> no, no. There's no. There's no hope for me there. Is there is there any plan to uh, get back on tour this year or next year? Definitely uh, next year, I think. So you know, if everything goes to plan or to schedule, which it won't, but <laughs> it'll go a little. Hopefully, it goes kind of to schedule. Um, it'd be nice to get um, an album out next year and then and tour as part of it. And um, I think towards the end of next year, at least you know, do some shows in Australia, and then I'd love to be able to go on a, on a tour and yeah, and kind of I guess aspire to creating that that same vibe you know on on our own tours and mm-hmm. and just um touring is great fun it's such a great injection of energy and, and electricity basically when you're performing so i think we'll really appreciate being able to do it again you know after so long what do you what do you miss most about about being on tour oh there's a few things like it's it's nice to just be in the swing of a tour where everything is being everything is basically dialed in you know you know that your sound is great. You've got such a great sound guy and your monitors are good. The band is, you know, um, basically uh, seasoned and, and kind of like, you know, we've done all our kind of like blown out all our cobwebs. So we're, we're feeling like we're playing well. And when, when you, all that stuff is under control, you just kind of feel like, oh, okay, cool. Like we'll rock up, we'll play a show and we can enjoy the place where we are. So if you're on tour and you're just like, what's up, what are we doing in the city tonight? You have a day off every here, every day, every so often you have a day off, you know? So you make the most of those days off and have some fun nights out. And I just love all that, that stuff. And I love watching movies in the bus, you know, after a show, like something like something like, you know, you're in the green room before you play and you're like, what are we watching tonight? Everyone. And someone's like, let's watch a horror movie. And you're like, okay, sweet. And you kind of build a bit of like trying to campaign for what, horror movie we're going to watch build a bit of like yeah. anticipation so all that stuff is so just like it's like hanging out with your mates or hanging out right. you know, with your family and you're like who's going to you know put the popcorn on and like sit in the back room and like create a vibe and i have some great memories of you know watching horror movies with a band Amazing. Uh, it's so it's so wholesome you know when i describe yeah. it like that but it's it is better than like going out and trying to like whatever pick up chicks or whatever it's like <laughs> like this is this is why you, i mean hey in a perfect world you know, for the single people, for sure, go out there and we yeah. can we can make it. We can make everyone happy. Yeah. But I, I think, think um, that's the stuff I remember is the best times. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I think I mean I think the attitude towards that has has changed a little bit too. You know, in the last 30, 40 years or whatever. But yeah, well, that's amazing. We hope to see you in Toronto um, when that tour does happen, and uh, hopefully we can do this again then, Vance. It's uh, thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to chat. Of course. Ah, thanks, Adam. Yeah, pleasure to talk to you and, and to dive deep a little bit. Yeah, me, I loved it. I loved it. And uh, th- the new song's excellent. So can't wait to hear some more. Champion. Thanks, mate. Great. Thanks, man. Cheers.
Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.